and welcome back. Tonight's episode is about one of my personal favorite topics, doppelgangers. Now, if you're a fan of shows such as The Vampire Diaries, Twin Peaks, The Flash, or movies like Us, Black Swan, etc., then you might already be familiar with what a doppelganger is. In fiction and mythology, a doppelganger is often portrayed as a ghostly or paranormal phenomenon and usually seen as a harbinger of bad luck. Other traditions and stories equate a doppelganger with an evil twin. There are many stories regarding encounters with doppelgangers, none of them pleasant. Often a person does not actually see their own doppelganger, but someone else does. Can you be two places at once? No. But it's a very strange feeling when someone who knows you very well insists that they saw you 30 minutes ago and you were nowhere in the vicinity. You know, I've had this happen to me a few times in my life. I've had people approach me and swear that they know me. I've also had friends get upset with me because they were out in public and said hi, but I didn't say anything back. Now imagine this happening time and time again and Pretty soon, you'll probably go insane. You know, when I was younger and we moved into a new house, we saw our neighbor walk into our house while we were in the yard. She never came out. Later that day, we asked her why did she go inside our house and how did she leave since we never saw her leave. She said she had never went in our house. She died two weeks later. So is there any truth to the mystery of the doppelganger? Well, I myself, I like to think so. But after tonight's stories, maybe you'll be able to decide for yourself. If you're new here, I'm your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, Anthony Rossetti. And you're listening to Not Another Horror Podcast. Let's start out with a case that is actually documented. I'm going to call it A Wild Tale of West. You see, in 1903, a man named Will West arrived at the Leavenworth Penitentiary after being found guilty of committing a crime. As he was being booked, he was being processed for Bertillon measurements, a common practice of identification at the time. It involved documenting an individual's body measurements, morphological descriptions like the appearance and shape of the body as they relate to movement, descriptions of marks on the body such as scars, birthmarks, and tattoos, and a photograph. It was based on the notion that no two persons would ever have the exact 
same appearance and measurements. As this process is taking place, the records clerk recognized him, an inmate, who was already incarcerated at the prison for murder. Mr. West insisted that he obviously was not already incarcerated and that he had never, ever been to Leavenworth before. The employee then searched through the archived inmate files and located a file that belonged to the man that he was referring to. The records clerk stared at the photo in the file and the man in front of him. It was definitely the same person. He even went as far as to compare the Bertolin measurements of the inmate and those that were in the file. The same. To make the situation even stranger, the name on the file that he was holding was William West. West continued to insist that he had never been there before and said to the records clerk that that was his picture. But I don't know where you got it, for I know I have never ever been here before. It was later determined that he was telling the truth. And the file that the clerk had in his possession, well, was one of an entirely different man who looked just like him, had the same measurements, and had the same name as the man before him, Will West. Prison's officials compared Will's fingerprints to that of William's fingerprints, which visibly proved that they were not the same person. In fact, they weren't even related. The incidents presented problems with the Bertolin method, which the prison system soon abandoned as a whole. They still used portions of the system in conjunction with fingerprinting all inmates for identification purpose. This is what introduced the fingerprint method that we still use today. Now let's talk about a really strange one. Let's talk about Emily Sagi. The case of Emily Sagi is one of the eeriest cases of doppelgangers that comes from the early 19th century. The story was first told by Robert Dale Owen in 1860. His first publication on the subject was a book titled Footfalls on the Boundary of Another World, which included the tale of Emily Sagi, the French woman who is commonly known to us as Emily. The book was published in 1860, and the story of Emily Sagi was cited in a chapter in this book. Emily herself was attractive, smart, and in general admired by the students and fellow staff of the school that she worked at. However, one thing was curiously strange about Emily that had already been employed in 18 different schools in the past 16 years. This school being her 19th workplace, slowly the school began to realize why Emily couldn't keep her position in any of the jobs for a long time. You see, Emily Sagi had a doppelganger, a ghostly twin that would make itself visible to others at unpredictable moments. The first time it was spotted was when she was giving lessons in a class of 17 girls. She had been normally writing on the board her back facing the students, when out of nowhere, a projection-like entity that looked just like her appeared. It stood right beside her, mocking her by imitating her movements. 
While everyone else in the class could see this doppelganger, Emily herself could not. In fact, she never came across her ghostly twin, which was actually good for her because seeing one's own doppelgangers is considered to be an extremely dangerous event. Since the first sighting, Emily's doppelganger was spotted quite frequently by others at the school. It was seen sitting beside the real Emily, eating silently while Emily ate, imitating while she did her everyday work, and sitting in class while Emily taught. One time, as Emily was helping one of her little students dress up for an event, the doppelganger appeared. The student, as she looked down to suddenly find two Emilys fixing her dress, the incident terrified her. The most talked about sighting of Emily was when she was seen gardening by a class full of 42 girls who were learning sewing. When the supervisor of the class walked out for a bit, Emily walked in and sat down in her place. The students didn't think much of it until one of them pointed out that Emily was still in the garden doing her work. They must have been terrified by the other Emily in the room. But some of them were brave enough to go and touch this doppelganger. What they found was that their hands could go through her body. Only sensing what seemed like a bulk of cobwebs. When asked about this, Emily herself was totally shocked. She had never witnessed this twin of her body, which was haunting her for a long time. And the worst part, Emily had no control over it. Because of this spectral duplicate, she had been asked to leave all her previous jobs. Even this 19th job of her life seemed to be in peril because two Emilys at the same time was naturally scaring the crap out of people. It was like an internal curse to Emily's life. Many parents had started to caution their children out of the institution, and some even complained about this to the school authority. We're talking about the early 19th century, so you could understand how people were bound to such superstitions and the fear of the dark at that time. Therefore, the principal reluctantly had to let Emily go. Despite her diligent nature and capabilities as a teacher, the same thing Emily had already faced several times before. According to accounts, while Emily's doppelganger made itself visible, the actual Emily appeared very worn out and lethargic, as if the duplicate was a part of her elemental spirit that escaped from her material body. When it disappeared, she was back to her normal state. After the incident of the garden, Emily said that she had an urge to go inside the classroom to supervise the kids, but hadn't actually done it. This indicates that the doppelganger perhaps was a reflection of the kind of teacher she wanted to be, doing multiple tasks at once. Since then, two centuries have passed, but the case of Emily Sagi is still talked about everywhere being the most fascinating yet frightening story of doppelgangers in history. It definitely makes one wonder if they too have a doppelganger that they are not aware of. However, author Robert Dale Owen didn't mention anywhere what happened to Emily or how Emily had died. 
In fact, no one knows much about Emily's psyche, rather than the story that Owen cited briefly in his book. I mean, to be fair, the story of Emily's psyche kind of makes me wish I had a doppelganger that helped out at work. <laughs> but next up, I have a story about French writer Guy de Maupassant, who is known for what is perhaps the most intimate doppelganger experience on record. You see, towards the end of his life, he is said to have regularly interacted with his doppelganger. This eerie twin not only talked to him, oh no, but actually sat down and started dictating a short story to him. Yes, de Maupassant claimed that one of his last stories was literally ghostwritten, by his own ghost no less. If that's not chilling enough, don't worry, it gets even better. The story that Spirit allegedly dictated to de Maupassant was the Horla, an unnerving tale of a man whose sanity is slowly consumed by an evil spirit that uses him as a host, as if echoing the story of his own mental health. You see, after the story was finished, his mental health started to deteriorate. Another famous doppelganger would be George Tehran. In June 22, 1893, it was not a good day for Vice Admiral George Tehran. He was commanding two columns of ships off the coast of Syria when he gave a command for the columns to turn toward each other. This attempt at a majestic naval drill maneuver turned out to be an amateur mistake, as the first ship promptly rammed into each other. And one of them, the one Tyrion happened to be in, sank like a stone. Tyrion died knowing that he had just doomed 357 men to drown. His last words were, fittingly, It is entirely my fault. At the exact same time, Tyrion's wife was holding a lavish party for their friends in their London home. Suddenly, to their guest's surprise, Tyrion appeared at the party. Silently, he walked down a staircase, solemnly proceeded the drawing room and opened the door as if to leave before he suddenly disappeared. He was dressed in full uniform, as if he was commanding a drill. There are some holes in this story, for instance, some say Lady Tyrion was busy with the guests and never saw this doppelganger, while others claim she was one of the onlookers. Still, the tale bears eerie resemblance to old sea tales of sailors, fetch, uh, another name for doppelganger, alerting his family of his death. Now, there's so many stories of doppelgangers around the world, and I did find one that uh, I found pretty interesting, and that is the lady in blue. Now, although doppelgangers are generally perceived as sinister, it is said that sometimes a person is not only able to control them, but use them as sort of a second body that can bilocate to other places in an instant. In the 17th century, explorers and missionaries to the New World were astonished to find that many of the tribes in New Mexico were already practicing Catholicism. When questioned, the tribesmen said they had been 
converted by a mysterious lady in blue who had taught them and even given them a number of crucifixes and other items of worship. With careful detective work, a few priests finally traced the phenomenon to Maria de Agrida, a young blue-robed Spanish nun. She claimed to have taught Christianity to the Indians by, by locating across the ocean. Mary had never left her convent and only knew the place she had been as a savage land. Okay, girl. <laughs> but her story was enough to convince the priest. Initially, the Inquisition was extremely suspicious of Maria. But they decided to acquit her of witchcraft charges. Possibly because her story was just too good to waste. Her power was declared to be divine origin. Funny how that works, huh? Only when it's convenient. <laughs> she became an international celebrity, the leader of her convent, and an author of rambling books on how she acquired her powers. However, later in life, she changed her story multiple times. Sometimes she claimed she was pressured to say she could habitually cast her spiritual copy to another continent. Sometimes she said it was true after all. You know, one famous person that we all know, Abraham Lincoln, also apparently saw his doppelganger. Abraham Lincoln was known as Honest Abe and as such was very open about his interest in the paranormal, at least in private discussions. According to the man himself, he also experienced some paranormal activity on the night of his first election. He took a moment to rest on his couch one evening. While lying there, he happened to glance in a mirror and saw his own visage, except he had two faces. A second Lincoln pale and ghostly, was looking at him from the mirror, right next to his own face. Startled, he rose from the couch, and the doppelganger disappeared. He sat back down only to see it again. Lincoln was startled, but his wife Mary was downright terrified. She was convinced that the doppelganger was bad news, a certain sign that Lincoln would be re-elected on a second term, possibly because two Lincolns equals two terms, but wouldn't survive it because the second Lincoln looked deathly. Lincoln went on to repeat the couch experiment every once in a while. He did manage to glimpse the doppelganger one more time, but after that, it stopped appearing. Maybe it had delivered its message as Lincoln indeed didn't make it through his second term. Now I have one more story that I want to share with you tonight, and it is about Percy Shelley. You see, Percy was a brilliant poet in his own right, although he is mainly remembered as the husband of Mary Shelley, you know, the person that wrote Frankenstein. Although one would assume that Mary, the horror writer, would have been the one to see ghosts and monsters, it was in fact Percy who witnessed doppelgangers. Shortly before Percy drowned in a sailing accident in 1812, he confessed to Mary that 
he had met his doppelganger many times. These confrontations included one particularly haunting experience where he walked into a terrace only to be greeted by his doppelganger who asked him, how long do you mean to be content? You know, me personally, I would have said, wow, that's, that's pretty deep. Uh, <laughs> but strangely, Percy's doppelganger was also witnessed by her close friend, Jane Williams, who saw it passing her window in a route, frequently walked by the real Percy to a dead end, but never returning. The real Percy was nowhere near. Well, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. But there's more stories I think I will compose for another episode. But let me leave you with this. If your doppelganger bangs on your room window at night and begs you to let him or her in, what would you do? Stay safe. Stay sane. See you next week.